Are you an HR department of one trying to figure out how to balance task and strategy while keeping up with changes in regulatory compliance? Do you need a fresh outlook on old topics? Then stop what you're doing, grab your coffee, and get ready to recharge. If you have people, you have problems to solve and things to do. Your host is Brenda Neckvottle, a 20-year human resource professional, ready to explore the HR industry with veterans of business and life with fresh eyes and new ideas. Learn about the rapidly evolving changes in employment law around the country, as well as new tactics to deploy and build engagement in your workforce. If you're looking to implement new practices to make your job easier in HR, then this podcast is for you. Hey everyone and welcome to the Best Practices in Human Resources podcast. I am Brenda the HR Lady. Hey there! And I'd like to welcome you and thank you for listening to the show. If you're a returning listener, thank you so much for returning for another episode. And if you are a first-time listener, welcome aboard. There's a lot of energy that comes out of this podcast, and I'm here to help share with you the strategic and tactical HR knowledge so you can master the what and the how in this field, because it gets a little complicated. And I'm in the human resource business, or I'm in the human business, and that means a greater number of dynamics in the workplace to balance and manage. It is... You know, it's not as crazy as it was last year, but it is certainly another year of craziness, but it is certainly full of uncertainty still, but we're getting, we can see the light at the end of the tunnel, but you know what, as we inch towards it and we inch towards a return to normalization, just keep this in mind. Don't be marginally happy. Your success and achievements begin and end with you. Give to never receive in this business, but invest in yourself to keep the balance and build strong working relationships within your company and your company leaders. All right. That is the big theme for 2021, and I'm not giving it up. So we're here, episode 101. You know what that means? 99 more to go before we have another epic landmark episode. So we're looking forward, already looking ahead to 200. It's optimism. It's something to look forward to. So we got means we got a lot of ground to cover between now and 200. (laughs) So be prepared because I'll tell you what, the world is not going to disappoint when it comes to this stuff. So folks, do me a favor. If you've been enjoying the podcast, please hop on over to either Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or iHeartRadio or wherever it is that you listen, and please give this show a five-star rating. Um, We know that there's a lot of really good folks out there like you who are looking for information like this, and strong ratings help them find us, okay? We give out a lot of really great information, and, and my job just is here to play it forward and help out. So you can also find really great nuggets of information on my social platforms, please follow me. You can find me over on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and Clubhouse by looking up Brenda the HR Lady. And then over on LinkedIn, you can find me just by my plain old boring name, Brenda Neckbottle. All right. Oh, and before I forget, also mark your calendars. March 22nd is day one of our new five-day 2021 Virtual HR Summit, where you can also cool news, you can also get HRCI and SHRM recertification credits for attending all five days. Now we've got an amazing lineup. Suzanne Lucas is coming back along with our pal Steve Watson. He's going to be talking to you about how to negotiate 
your HR benefits and the cost around that. We're also going to be featuring a good friend of mine, U.S. Navy SEAL podcast guest and New York Times bestselling author, Jason Redmond. And it's an epic lineup and seats are limited this time and go around. So make sure that you get that registration in and you can register by uh, going over to brendathehrlady.com. Do it before we run out of space because you're going to thank yourself for it later. All right, so today I'm going to share with you some employment law changes that are happening across the nation and how you can get access to vital HR news that impacts your business every day. Also, um, we're, today we're going to be talking about something that actually came to me in the form of a request. We're going to be talking about the new age of social change and leadership and how that's impacting business, um, or it's actually more or less impacting your environment. And at the end, we're going to get into our HR question of the day. So, folks, uh, before we go any further, though, the, the information available through this podcast is for informational purposes only and not for the purpose of providing any form of legal advice. You should contact your attorney to obtain legal advice with respect to any particular issues. If you do not have an employment attorney, go ahead and reach out to me, and I will be happy to go ahead and refer one to you through our friends over at Jackson Lewis. Okay, so one big thing that is coming up and I've been talking about it on social media, and I'm going to limit it this week to just this one topic, and there's a reason for that. And that is there is a trend that is starting to take place. And mark my words, you guys have to start getting in front of this now. If you don't, it's going to be a raging mess, okay? That's why I want to talk about it for just a little bit. The current administrator, our current president, whether you're for him or against him, it doesn't matter. This is what's happening. He's got a very aggressive 100-day agenda, right? And we're already in March, and he's moving the needle very quickly. One of the things that is on his radar, and now we have support coming from other areas of the country on this with other um, leaders, elected leaders and elected officials, is a ban on non-compete agreements, okay? This is huge. This is absolutely huge. How many non-compete agreements do you guys have uh, tied up in your company right now? Probably quite a few. And if you don't, that's okay. You don't absolutely have to have one. But for those of you who do, if the ban goes through, it's going to change the nature of the non-compete agreement. It's going to change the nature of its enforceability. And it will likely change how you guys are capable of protecting the company's intellectual property, your digital property, your client lists, sensitive trademark inf or trade information, not trademark, but trade information. There's a lot of things that are going to be negatively impacted by this. And the president believes that if non-compete agreements are in an existence, it prohibits other people who might be still bound by one of getting jobs and getting work somewhere else. And that's not necessarily true, okay? Non-competes are enforceable in many different ways in many different states. So really kind of trying to take on a, a high-level overarching view on this is really going to put businesses across everywhere in the United States as a massive disadvantage, but it's also going to really impact companies to where um, an employee who accesses this information or releases it or uses it against your company will be a make or breaker moment. All right. So I want to make sure you guys are staying on top of this. And here's what I'm starting to see happen right now. So back in January, <clears throat> the DC mayor actually signed a ban, a bill to ban non-compete agreements. 
Now, I, I have not looked to see where this bill sits because here's how it works in Washington, D.C. The mayor has to sign a bill and then it goes to Congress after that because Congress oversees the District of Columbia. Now, they oversee Washington, D.C. So <clears throat> I have to go back and take a look, but I strongly urge you guys to, to also look into this uh, to find out how this could potentially impact because if this is happening at the micro level, when you look at our, our government, and micro being locality, state, not necessarily federal yet, but mark my words, this is on the agenda. We're, we're going to see this bubbling up. So the best thing that you could do is get in front of your employment attorney. And if you don't have one, let me know. I'll be happy to go ahead and refer one to you. Um, general counsel, you know, I, I, you know where I stand on this, but those of you, if you haven't heard from me before on this, I'll tell it to you right now. I have nothing against general counsel. I really don't. They have a, they're, they're really great. They have a time and a place for everything. But employment law is a specialty. And I strongly recommend, strongly recommend that you guys take your uh, agreement, if it was written by general counsel and not an, an employment attorney, have it reviewed by an employment attorney and find out where your windows of opportunity are going to be because they are paying very close attention to what is going on with this. If D.C. gets this passed, it opens the door for other states uh, to follow suit. And it could also be uh, something that happens along the party line as well. So that's not uncommon. Right now, we've got a, a Democratic-controlled House and a Democratic-controlled Senate, which means that the agendas are going to move through pretty quickly. All right. And we've seen this before. But you know what? It doesn't matter what party it is. When you have one party that controls the House and the Senate, uh, that support the president or all the same party line, things tend to move very quickly, okay? Look at history. It's been like that. It's just not today. So make sure that you're getting on top of this. This is a critical piece um, as part of the 100-day agenda, and I strongly, strongly, strongly recommend that you guys prepare for this because employers are going to have to get very creative on how they actually protect their company information. And I don't have that answer. <laughs> Not yet, at least. So, it, but if you need anything, if you got questions, you know, go ahead, hit, hit me up. You can go ahead and DM me over on Instagram. Uh, like I said, we can start getting you guys pointed in the right direction. There are approximately 2,500 members of the U.S. Special Operations Community who transition out of active duty military service every single year. The Honor Foundation has dedicated its mission to serving these elite individuals on their journey to prepare for life once they take off the uniform. In the past few years, we've begun our own journey to reach this number, launching three physical campuses in San Diego, California, Virginia Beach, Virginia, and near Wilmington, North Carolina along with a virtual campus to reach members of the community anywhere on the planet. I spent 26 years in the special operations community as a SEAL. I graduated from THS program, I served on the board of directors, and now I'm proud to lead this organization into the future to continue assisting these transitioning service members and their families. Our dedicated team, our world-class program, and our incredible tribes of supporters are standing by to help THF alumni and future fellows and are committed to providing the best possible support system and resources to better serve this community. Our vision for the Honor Foundation is clear, to impact every transitioning service member from the U.S. Special Operations Enterprise through our programs and support, and to be a catalyst for overhauling the entire DOD transition program. It's a big task, 
but the community deserves it, and we're driving full steam ahead to make this a reality. If you've been inspired with what the Honor Foundation's done in the last five years, I welcome you all to join us as we craft the next chapter in defining what it means to serve others with honor for life. This week's topic came to me in the form of a question, which I thought was actually an awesome discussion that we had. Um, I was actually over at the Honor Foundation, and one of the fellows had asked about how do we handle questions or statements from people that we're interviewing as it pertains to some of the things that are going on in social change. And I kind of did a little bit of looking into it, and I can see that there is a lot of hesitancy on the part of people who are interviewing, meaning that they're in the hot seat getting the interview, and some people who aren't really quite sure what to do when somebody brings it up while they're in the hot seat. <laughs> so I figured, you know what, this is a really great opportunity to, to actually have this kind of conversation. So because it is, it's sensitive. It's one of the things you, you don't want to, you don't want to insult anybody, or sometimes you may not even know what to say. And I think there's some, some general guidelines that you guys can take. <clears throat> so first off, if you are the interviewee, you could be somebody who's going for, you know, your next job. You could be interviewing within your company, outside of the company, for a competitor, for completely different market in another state. That's fine. These things may very well come up from somebody who might be a little fired up about them. And that's fine. Or they're taking, you know, the company uh, message and the company purpose to a whole new level. <laughs> and I've seen it happen. Matter of fact, I had somebody that I was talking to who was really wanting to be a podcast guest. Um, I, it turned out that, you know, our schedules conflicted and it didn't work out. Um, but one of the things I was thinking, was like, I'm really going to have to temper this person down because it was spilling out over the edges. All right. And it was around um, everything that was happening with gender equality, <clears throat> all at the same time when we had a, a lot of, you know, civil strife going on. So it was, it was just a lot. And this person was really amped up and really just, you know, wanted to initiate change in a very, very wide, fast, rapid, you know, rate and range. And, you know, one thing that we know about change, it takes a while. It takes a while for people to settle in. It takes a while for people to wrap their arms and embrace new thoughts, new ideas. And not everybody moves at the same pace. Matter of fact, very few people all move at the same pace when it comes to change. And Lord knows, 2020 was a year of way too much change uh, for a lot of people as it impacted COVID. And then, you know, we just had all this other stuff that piled on. So, you know, it's nice to have that year in our rear view, but it taught us a lot about, you know, endurance and, and what we can, what we can and can't do and, and what we can and can't tolerate. So if you are interviewing for a position and you have somebody who asks a question that I'm not really quite sure why they would, but I've heard it's kind of been happening a little bit. If they ask a question, it's like, okay, so, you know, interviewee, uh, if you have an individual that works for your organization <clears throat> that goes into a general neutral restroom, how would you handle that? <laughs> I was like, wow, that's, that's kind of brazen. That's <laughs> actually, I'm not sure what that has to do with the job, right? I, I really don't. 
but this is this is what's I've heard a couple of times actually coming up. And then we had, you know, like I said, a fellow that kind of rolled that question up to the coaching tribe. And so my response to something like that is, is that, you know, if it has nothing to do with you and your ability to perform the essential functions of the role, there's a way to handle that. And there's a way to get through that. And that is ask them the question and, and very politely, very humbly just say, you know, I, I apologize. <clears throat> Maybe I didn't understand your question, but can you help me understand how something like that is in direct association with the essential functions of this job? You can actually say that. And if the person comes back and doesn't answer that question specifically for you, now remember, you are the interviewee. See where they go with it. All right. If they if they rephrase and they realize that it's an uncomfortable conversation, if, if they hopefully snap out of it, that they feel like something's off, they really shouldn't have asked it. And so they they, they just say, well, never mind that. We're just going to keep moving on. Then just keep moving on. But it's also an indicator of the organization that that could be that could be something else going. That could be one of two things. It's either the company or it's the individual. More than likely, it's the individual who's fueled. OK, that's that's my two cents. I could be dead wrong. And, and everybody could be different, but that's very much a possibility. Diversity and inclusion is very big in this world right now. And you could have some people that are underskilled. They're a little bit extra passionate and those things tend to come out. So as an interviewee, that's a really great way of handling something that is that uncomfortable. <clears throat> and I'll be honest, if they keep pushing and pursuing, you have a bad interviewer. If you have somebody that starts to chastise you in, in the interview, which some people are saying, like, who would do something like that? Well, you know what? These things do happen. Granted, they are more on the side of the exception and not the rule, but they do happen. Okay. And people run into stuff like this. You'd be surprised all the stuff that I hear on a regular basis. But if that's happening, then you know what? There's nothing wrong with actually stopping the interview. There's nothing wrong with making that determination. Just like I, you know, I really appreciate you inviting me in, but I, I'm not sure this is this is the right fit for me. And you can just say I really appreciate the time, and you can gracefully make your exit if you like. Um, if they ask you, and if somebody gives you a follow-up call, and they're like, well, we noticed that you left the interview earlier, and it was very strange. Help us understand what happened. <clears throat> you know, you can politely explain to them you know, the, the set of circumstances and hopefully the interviewer will actually get some form of, count, uh, you know, coaching. We'll get some coaching. It's like, okay, you need to <laughs> kind of need to put that away. That's not really quite what we meant <clears throat> when it comes to corporate responsibility. Um, but you know what? You never know. I mean, some there are some companies that are actually, you have leadership that actually push their agenda. They push what they believe down on through the organization, and they are looking for like-minded people. That's great. If that's the case, then you have a decision to make as to whether or not that that is your company for you, okay? Like I said, social change, <clears throat> it doesn't mean that everything's going to go easily. It doesn't mean everything's going to go smoothly, there's a lot of things to work out with this new day and age as to what's going on. There's a, a lot of new aspects uh, to what is happening in our world. You know, we've got 
you know, a lot of people are very hesitant to even talk about these subjects. I'm not because it's important to talk about them. You know, we've got non-discrimination against people in the LGBTQ community now. We've got COVID vaccines, which we really still don't even know what's going to happen with that. CDC is sending out conflicting information on this stuff. Change takes time. And along the way, you're going to run into uncomfortable situations. Just be prepared and keep your cool and you're going to be great, right? Now, if you are an employer, you have to also be very careful about how you are presenting yourself to the people that you're interviewing, how you're presenting yourself as employee branding. It's one thing to demonstrate in a company diversity and inclusion, right? That you want the talents and the traits. If you have them, we want you as, a, as part of our group. We need what you have to offer. You can have 16 you know, snags of hair, different colored hair for all, <laughs> whatever. But we need your talent, right? <clears throat> you got to be careful not to alienate people. But at the same time, you don't need to be walking on eggshells either. And, and that's part of what happens with change is that both sides are walking on eggshells. People who are coming in to interview, you know, something feels off or awkward, then they start walking on eggshells. And ultimately what happens is that, you know, the employer, if they're interviewing you, they start to see that you're, something's up. They may not know exactly what it is, but something has made you uncomfortable. And therefore it breaks that ability for you to connect and make that all important relationship. Conversely, as an employer, if you push an agenda too hard, now it could be, you know, part of your civic duty or, or excuse me, corporate responsibility, civic duty, holy cow, that's voting, voting and jury duty, right? But when it comes to, uh, you know, really pushing and living up to the standards of corporate social responsibility and this world of civil change, then you have to make sure that you know who it is that you're speaking to. It's one thing to be able to say, yes, we really want a diverse workforce. We want talented people here. And it doesn't matter where you come from, what you're built like, <clears throat> how you, you know, whether you are mobile or immobile, you know, if you've got the, the skills, talents, and the ability to help not only us be successful, but yourself, and we want to talk to you. That's a really great way of approaching those types of things. But if you have somebody in some of the cases that I've heard of, and actually one that I've seen recently that I won't get too deep into the weeds on because I want to be careful not to embarrass somebody because they do know, they do listen to this. And that is this individual was really, really, really bent on talking about, uh, you know, a certain protected class. <clears throat> and it was just that person's passion. I mean, just real absolute passion. It came on everything that they did. And actually kind of chastised me a little bit in the process because I wasn't reciprocating the same idea. And I, I did the best that I could with it. And I looked at the person and I smiled and I said, you know what, I think it's absolutely awesome that you have found a passion for something like this. And I really wish you the best of luck with it. I think it's great. And I left it at that. I didn't engage I didn't want the person to feel like I was uncomfortable with what they're talking about. 
I mean, I understand what they were doing. And some people will feel like other individuals are pushing their whatever agenda on them. We just got done with an election, right? So there was a lot of the political rife that was going on. We, we've got, I mean, 2020 was just a year of, of change, 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 right? Mega big change. Same thing with the beginning of 2021. Now we've got the, now we've got the vaccine, right? So everybody's got opinions about things. And sometimes people can attach those opinions to other people. And whether or not the other person has the same opinion or not doesn't matter. But the other person may not have the same temperature for that, for that opinion. They, you know, I, I don't discriminate. I, I don't, I don't make bad jokes about people of different colors, races, creeds, whatever. I don't do that stuff, right? But that doesn't mean that I'm comfortable with somebody who's overly passionate about a particular subject. I just smile and compliment them. And, you know, I just think it's great. Go for it. But it doesn't mean that I have to, comp I have to comment on it. And it doesn't mean that I have to speak up on it. So just be mindful that everybody has their opinions. And when they look at somebody, they're looking at somebody through their filter. They're looking at somebody through their own set of eyes, how they place or what they call worldview, right? Worldview is interesting. We all come from different places. We all have different experiences. We all grew up in the same, in different ways. We didn't grow up the same way. We had different experiences and relationships with our parents and our siblings and our family members. We had different experiences with our teachers. We had different experiences with the kids that we grew up, different political environments that we grew in. I mean, I grew up in a very small town in Pennsylvania that was, you know, post-Korean War era. Back then, I'm not kidding you, back then diversity was four dudes standing around talking about diversity. One was from the Army, one was from the Marines, one was from the Navy, and then, you know, the other one was from the Air Force. To them, that was diversity. It's not like what it is today. It's a totally different gig, right? So not everybody embraces change quickly. And a lot of people are very passionate about making change happen. And I think that's awesome. But we all have to remember that everybody moves at their own pace on this. So some people are going to be willing to talk about it. Some people are not going to be willing to talk about it. Now, from a leadership perspective, <clears throat> I think it's important that leaders talk about what they expect of their employees. If they, you know, if, if they're, practicing diversity and inclusion then they have to make sure that people that they they enforce or they express not enforce but they express the tolerance that everybody has that change comes at different paces and that we still regardless of what people believe or not believe about you know one opinion or the other we still need to respect each other's position and beliefs in this world we need to have respect towards one another because if we don't respect one another, whether we believe in it or not, we're just going to have conflict. We have to be respectful. We can't pick fights. We can't push our agenda on somebody else. And conversely, when somebody else is feeling kind of backed into a corner, then that's the time to step away and just realize that, you know what, this person... This is either an inappropriate conversation for them or not. And you know what? And it's perfectly okay. It's absolutely okay, right? But again, we got some people who are really fueled up about this. 
um, the people who are going to be impacted the most in your organization by this, believe it or not, are going to be your mid-level managers. They're going to be the ones that are going to be like pelleted from multiple directions because we got multiple people with a lot of differing ideas. They're the ones that are having to deal with all of this. You know, this person's talking about politics too much and I don't understand why this person can't blah, 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 right? Figure out how to support your middle managers because <clears throat> they are really the ones that are in the trenches and they're the ones that are kind of getting a little bit beat up about this. The higher up it is, it's a little quieter. Different challenges when you go up, but it's a little quieter. But the ones that are dealing with your frontline employees, they need to have the appropriate support. And there's nothing wrong with drawing that line in the sand and telling people <clears throat> it is appropriate to do this, it is inappropriate to do that, and I expect everybody to get along because, after all, we are adults, and us as leaders are not here to manage your relationships. There's nothing wrong with saying that. I've had that conversation a multitude of times with people that just constantly wanted to, to just do battle <clears throat> out in the office or out on the floor, and it doesn't work, it, you know. Other employees hear it, customers hear it, people hear it on the phone. Oh my gosh, just gets to be kind of nuts and crazy. So we don't want that, right? So at the end of the day, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go on about this because I think this is this is kind of one of the subjects that we just need to touch on it and just realize that everything's sensitive still right now. We still have a lot of raw and frayed nerves, and as time goes on things are going to calm down. Okay. Just give it a couple more months. We're still, we're still coming off of this election. You know, we got the new president going through his first 100 days. He's working on his agenda, 18 months, you know, then we're going to start focusing on midterm elections. And <clears throat> there's just going to be a lot of change coming down the pike uh, over the next several months. So just be ready for it. You know, constantly be aware, you know, continue to watch and see what's going on in your organization. Don't be afraid to take the temperature of your employees through different types of feedback and survey. I just actually did one uh, with a client last week. And you know what? We actually took a look at the results today and their feedback actually was much better than he thought he was going to get. So, you know, you just you just never know <laughs> what's going to come out when you simply ask the question. So, you know, like I said, as it pertains to all the social change that's going on, be patient, be vigilant, set expectations, hold people to them, make sure that, you know, people are being respectful of one another. And you know what? Just remind people that, look, we still have a job to do. We still have our people that we have to go out and help. So let's focus our attention on that. And that should also help kind of temper some things as well. Okay, enough of that stuff. No more getting serious. Actually, we're going to get serious. We're going to get serious about you for a little bit. So with the changes in COVID and COVID cases that continue to still exist, some areas are still on the rise, taking care of yourself now is more critical than ever. And yes, you have the increased risk still of contracting COVID. And now we also have this all mutated version of it too. Most importantly, it means that more work on your part, which equates to more drain on your system. Okay. Now, you know, I care about everybody's ability to get rest and recover. It's something that I talk about all the time. I see huge strides when I get a chance to get the appropriate sleep and I get the appropriate nutrition in my system. It's a big focus of mine. All right. 
So I thought I'd share with you again <clears throat> the things that I use to stay healthy. And you can actually go now onto the website over at brendathrlady.com. Click on health or click on wellness, excuse me. It's one of the two. <laughs> Can't remember. I've changed them like three times. So now I've confused myself. Yay. You can go on and you can actually take a look at what these things are. And you can click over and you can get the links. Uh, first off is the MASF multi-plant base. It's a multivitamin. All right. I really like it a lot. It doesn't, it doesn't make my stomach cramp up, which is absolutely huge. Okay. I take vitamins. My stomach cramps up. This is one of the few vitamins I've ever taken where I do not get stomach cramps. And thank goodness because it's a nasty feeling. Naked Warrior Recovery Immunity Booster. I love this stuff. It has helped me stay safe. It helps, has helped me um, when times when I can't sleep very well, even though I do take CBD. Um, I take broad spectrum, not full spectrum. There's a big difference. And um, it, it just every little bit helps. And not to mention I travel, right? I've been traveling all over the United States during COVID. So I have not had any negative impact. My immunity system is up. About two o'clock in the afternoon, I tend to crash, <clears throat> and I started taking the Trulene Immunity Shot that has, uh, you know, pepper-based. It has um, ginger. It has uh, turmeric in it and B12. So that gives me that necessarily bump that I need to really pull through the rest of the day. Usually, right around two two thirty is when I start my. I just I get exhausted. Just I just crash. All right, um, MASF Smashing Greens. I love this stuff. I, I, I'm back to replacing one meal a day with it. Two if I'm actually fasting, if I'm trying to, you know, knock down a few more pounds, which I'm actually working on right now. Also, Naked Warrior Recovery Super Greens. Now, in the times when I'm not using a smashing green formula, which is a really, really dense uh, mix of greens, uh, Naked Warrior Recovery actually has their super greens um, I kind of, man, I get snacky sometimes and I use that to kind of curb the edge a little bit and it helps out actually a lot. Um, I've also added Trulene's fish oil to my supplement regimen, which supports and uh, nurtures my brain functions. And I have a father who has Alzheimer's and he's, he's actually really, really bad. Um, lately I've noticed that and it's probably because I've just been pushing really hard, but I've been struggling to find the words. And I don't want to struggle to find the word. So I make sure that I actually uh, take the fish oil that will actually help keep my brain function as I continue to get older. In addition to that, I also started taking um, Trulene's uh, protein powder. So I'm, I now make a protein drink in the morning. When I sit down and have my coffee, I get up at 5 a.m. I sit down and I work on, you know, business stuff. And not only do I have my coffee, but I actually have my protein shake, which I throw in just a few, just a little handful of fresh uh, st frozen strawberries and some frozen blueberries uh, to get some of that extra antioxidant. And you know what? It really fills me up. So you guys are welcome to go ahead and check it out on the website. You can link over. Don't forget Naked Warrior Recovery. You can get 20% off on your shipment if you go ahead and use Naked HR. I've also included a friend of mine. Uh, she has a six-week metabolism reset program that just launched. Check it out. It's, I'm, I'm actually going to be doing it myself. I can't wait till I get in it. And uh, you'll be able to go ahead and, and tackle that. If you, need your, if you need a little bit of a metabolic reboot, which I know I do right now, um, you're welcome to go ahead and try out her program. So 
she's absolutely awesome. She's, she's an epic human being and uh, really has nothing but everybody's best interest at heart. So I think you guys are going to like it out a lot. All right. So do you, do you want to build the confidence in your HR position? Do you want to feel good knowing that you're on top of the things that need to be done and not buried under a mountain of deadlines that you either didn't know about or didn't know when they were due? All right. It is March. We're the third month into this and there's nine more months to go. And there's a lot of HRing that needs to be done. So stop floundering around and start focusing by grabbing your copy of the cheesiest title I have ever come up with. But it is a great tool. It is the best pra- best HR planner on the planet. You can find it at brendathrlady.com. All right. You know I love your email questions. And I have not been answering the HR question of the day for a little while. And we're back to it. All right. It is back on. I, I love the fact that you guys send questions in. I think they're great. And this one I thought was really, really awesome um, because it's asking me something personal. And I kind of like that. All right. So the question that came across to me before you were in HR, did going to HR ever backfire on you? Oh, hell yeah, it did. (laughs) One time. Holy cow, did it backfire on me. Um, This is actually a long time ago. I can't, I don't want to say what company is because I really don't want them coming after me and suing me for this, but it was a long time ago and I was working for one of five of the Fortune 500 companies at the time and we had a really, really, really nasty district manager. She was, she didn't know the job. She was all, I don't know what she was thinking, but man, this woman had not been in retail for very long. It is very clear and very apparent. I'm not really quite sure what motivated, what her motivations were, but she also didn't really care to get, to really build a relationship with us, you know, the the managers, the people that were there, boots on the ground, taking care of business, taking care of the customer. And um, all sorts of things were starting to happen across the district. Um, Some really, really bad stuff. Well, anyway... Um, we had a regional vice president come in and I was cleaning something up off the floor. They didn't know I was just around the corner and I could hear every word that they said. And so as they were walking up and down the aisles of the merchandise, um, and I was cleaning up this mess that a customer left, I heard them very clearly say, yeah, you know, Brenda's way too chipper. You need to get rid of her. I was like, what? <laughs> I'm, you need to get rid of me because I'm too chipper? Are you serious? And that was the only comment that I heard. And, and then they went off and talked to something else about it. And I'm like, holy cow, I'm on the chopping block. All because I'm chipper. I'm happy. What the heck is that? Right? This is an environment where you're supposed to be happy. You're supposed to be excited for people. So it was really, really strange, and I didn't understand it. And I know they did not know I was there. Nobody knew I was there. I just happened to stumble across this mess and got down on my hands and knees to, you know, clean it up. So I didn't know what to do. And I knew that if I had reached out to the regional vice president, I mean, she was walking with her. She was the one that told the district manager that I had to go. So I I knew I didn't have that person. And, you know, granted, also, you got to remember that HR was still pretty much up and coming. It was, it's not what it is today. It was, you know, kind of still in the early stages of getting out of personnel and, you know, really looking at advocacy for employees rather than 
um, you know, just paper pushers for paperwork, right, for employee files. So I went ahead and actually wrote a letter to the Human Resource Department. <clears throat> and instead of HR coming in and actually doing an investigation, they sent the letter to the DM, who sent it, a copy of it up to the regional vice president. And I, I wrote it anonymously <clears throat> because I was really afraid of my job. And uh, they went out an all-out witch hunt. And what was amazing is that they never once suspected me as being the person who wrote it. They were calling every manager in, sitting down and having a discussion with them about the, the concerns and, and the things that were taking place. And it was real egg on their face, which in one sense, actually, it, it actually got me a little concerned. But on the other side, it actually validated everything and the reason why I was concerned. So hindsight 2020, would I do it again? I don't know. Because I watched a lot of really good people kind of get raked over the coals. But at the same time, I'm glad it was said because it needed to be said. But I, I actually wound up turning in my resignation because um, nobody would approve my vacation time. My manager wouldn't do it. And I was, you know, high up in a pretty high dollar store. I was in a high volume store. So I was like, you know, three plus three and a half million dollar store. And my own boss wouldn't sign off on it. The district manager wouldn't sign off on it. I was planning on going somewhere and I just like, I'm, I'm not doing this. <laughs> I'm not screwing around with this. And so, um, you know, I left the company and I got another job as a result of that. But, um, yeah, so, so turning something into HR like that, that was a bad move on their part. And, um, it, like I said, it went into an all out witch hunt, but here's the thing. I'm not sure what kind of conversation was had when they discussed that information with the regional and the district manager. I have no idea. I can only assume, but what I can tell you is that I guarantee you HR didn't say go out and find them and, and chop their heads off for it. So you had some managers that were out on an absolute witch hunt. I mean, it was an absolute witch hunt. There were, there were a couple of really good people that I know that got impacted and pulled in. And one of them was a good friend of mine at the time. And she's like, oh, I can't believe what she told me. She's like, you won't believe what happened. She's telling me how she got called in to this big interview. And they were just drilling her and asking her questions. And she's pretty thick skinned and very smart. And so, um, and I knew I could trust her. And, and, and I said, really? I said, when did that happen? She goes, it just happened yesterday. She goes, man, whoever wrote that letter, I'm telling you right now, it is it has got them worked up. And I told her, and I said, well, to be honest with you, I was the one that wrote it. And she's like, no. And I'm like, yeah, I was me. And um, she goes, have they even talked to you? I said, I haven't heard a word from them. They go, then they have no idea it's you. I said, yeah, and we're going to keep it that way. Because I, I said, I'm I'm not long for this company. The way, the way things are going, I am not long for this organization whatsoever. So that's what happens in toxic environments, though. That's what happens when you've got bad leadership. Um, it's all about ego, and it's not actually about the real issue. So, So there it is. Folks, thank you so much for joining me today. I, you know what? It's just awesome to have you guys here. I can't wait, cannot wait to see you guys uh, or talk to you guys the next time around. And uh, really hope that you all have a wonderful, awesome rest of your day. Get out there, uh, do some good in the world, pay it forward, be kind, 
and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Have a good one.